0: Hi, I'm Laurie Clark. Welcome to my podcast, The Laurie Clark Show. This next guest, her name is Eileen Smith. She wrote a book called Moving Beyond Trauma, the roadmap to healing from your past and living with ease and vitality. She talks about her life experience in this book and her journey with somatic experience therapy. She is a practitioner of somatic experience And has written this book to give us a glimpse into the work that is so beautiful and something that I have begun to implement in my own, in my own healing journey. You know, I don't really know what to say other than I'm really grateful for her and and for this process, because we all have trauma. No matter how big, no matter how small, there are experiences in our life that define us, shape us, that those experiences teach us how to be and show up in the world. And maybe those experiences that were painful did not contribute to our greatness, but in fact, added a layer of definition of don't show up because if i show up the way i want to well then i'm going to be judged or that experience that i had in the past is going to is going to happen again for me my trauma in my life asked me to keep myself quiet to be less than i was and to not show up in the way that i knew i needed to and I've had a journey and I know all of you have had that same journey in your lives. And there comes a time where we are given the opportunity to listen to someone who has experienced lots of trauma in her own life. And not only do we get to listen to her, but she is going to offer us wisdom and some fabulous tools and self-assessment to help you and me understand who we are and that we don't have to hold our trauma. Anxiety, depression, um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, assault, um, bullying, whatever the emotion is. In, In this book, Moving Beyond Trauma, Eileen talks about the tissue has the memory. The issue is in the tissue. And that is really interesting to me. And so we are going to explore that with Eileen in these next two parts. So the first part is going to be this quick introduction to this next piece. And we will then move to part two, which is going to really get into the meat and bones um, of what is actually happening and how we can move beyond trauma to live a successful, grounded, and as Eileen says, safe in our body life. Oh my goodness. And, 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 and I got to tell you, that was my first question safe in the body. Well, what happens if you don't feel safe? Cause trauma does not allow you to feel safe. And that's where it all begins. I hope you join us on this episode of The Lori Clark Show. Eileen, thank you so much for coming today.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited when we've had, this is our second visit. I know we we visited a while ago. We
0: sure did. And, um, thank you. Thank you for contributing to, uh, the growth and development in my life. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Um, in your book, moving beyond trauma, you say that, um, healing and balance require bringing the body into a process. So what you're using, um, somatic therapy for is to bring the body into the place of healing to release the emotion or memory inside of the body. Um,
1: explain this further. Wow, well, you, you did a great job right there. <laughs> um, so We think about trauma, we think, of, we think about it as an event, but trauma is really that energy that gets locked in our body around real or perceived threat. And so we often try to resolve all of our issues through the higher functioning parts of our brain, the neocortex. Yeah. Right. That's, that's where all our ex- executive functioning happens. The problem is when, when, we have, when we have a potentially threatening event and we are left feeling unsafe, we have to actually, we have to release that trauma from the body. And if you think about animals in the wild, they do this all day long. So they have, if you ever watch an animal that's about, that has just been under threat, They finish then and the situation's over, they're back, they're they're okay, they know they're not going to die. They always shake off the trauma. They have a natural innate ability to reset their nervous systems. So they're basically releasing all that energy from their bodies. And we as human beings have the same, we we need to be doing the same thing. The problem is our neocortex, where our higher functioning happens, is actually has been great for us to adapt and have more complex skills to defend ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so when we ha- when we get once when we learn one new skill set right from the neocortex, yeah. we lose the old ones. And so that innate ability and that that instinctual ability to shake and reset our nervous systems, we don't do it anymore. So in somatic work, what we're doing is teaching the body to be able to reset the nervous system. And we build the body as a safe container so that you can move through your experiences differently. We use the body as a safe container. Well, that's the, that's the, I would say that's the big idea of somatic experiencing is can we be safe? Can we build enough safety in our bodies to move through our sensory experiences? to be able to feel like we have some sense of mastery over ourselves. And so that we're not, we're not left living in these, because well, when we don't feel safe, our survival physiology of fight, flight, or freeze gets stuck in the on position. Right. And, and really what we're talking about ultimately is what happens in the nervous system. And this is all about nervous system dysregulation. Our brains are not smarter than our bodies. Our bodies will over, always override what our brain wants to do, because if you, if you think about it every every emotion has a sensation. How do you know you're anxious? it's not because your brain's telling you you're anxious. you feel that's a sensory experience. when you're depressed, that heaviness is in your body that 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 feel, sense of hopelessness is a sensation. Wow you're right
0: and would you say that we're conditioned to think it's a it's in the mind. Like we're saying, um, anxiety is in my head. We're saying, I think, is it because we're, we are familiarizing ourselves with thinking the thought, but the thought actually is
1: the action. But before it's the action, it's a feeling. So think about what happens when you feel anxious. What's the first thing you ask yourself? Why do I, why do I feel anxious? Why do I feel anxious? If I solve for the anxiety, if well, I, know I actually why, do this, oh my God, it's happening again. <laughs> okay, after, you, after you're done catastrophizing, okay, then you're like, why am I anxious? Why am I anxious? Right. What's right, right? Then, then we always go to asking this question, why? But really, what we need to be doing is because that's the neocortex, right? We're going to intellectualize our anxiety. However, if we can be with what we're experiencing and we can lean into the discomfort and maybe pendulate in and out of it, which is which is a whole other, which is one of the tools in somatic experiencing, yep. but we can if we can be with the what we're experience, experiencing,
0: experiencing,
1: yeah. we have we start building more capacity to move through the experience. It's almost like leaning into the discomfort rather than trying to circumnavigate around it. So there is something to say to lean into the emotion. It's leaning into, it's actually leaning into the sensations that we feel. But when you don't, this is the problem. When you don't feel safe enough to do that, you go to every distraction you could possibly go to not to have to experience that sensory experience in your body.
0: Well, that would, so my first question is, so if the body is a safe container, um, I don't feel safe. So then it is not a safe container. Somatic therapy is saying it is. Let's help you get there. We want to create that space where it is safe. So you would take your client or someone into a journey of understanding where their body is, that there's a disconnect
1: between the sensation and and your life. So I would I would say it yes. And I'd also add that our the one of the jobs as a as somatic experience practitioner is to help my clients build a larger somatic vocabulary. So to be able to actually be with sensations in a great in a with more capacity. Huh. So so for example, let's take a client who's really anxious. What I might do is first I'd say, okay, well, how do you know you're anxious? Okay, and my client might say something like, oh, my stomach, I feel it in my chest, blah, 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 right, so all those things that they're gonna feel. Yeah. And so I, I might then start building some capacity. Okay, well, let's see what happens if you focus on your feet, your feet don't feel anxious, do they? And so then we start pendulating, okay, so what I'm trying to do is find entry points of safety into the body so for the for the for the person to understand and actually experience that they don't have to be all anxiety they can find some spaces of neutrality and so the pendulation right is going to like if you think about a pendulation right we pendulate back and forth we're going to build more capacity ultimately and so so the nervous system starts settling down as the body starts feeling safer so that's so, just one way we do it. There's, okay. there's other ways too.
0: But let's just say, for example, so that would be anxiety or chronic anxiety or something. But Physical what, pain. Sure. It could be, right. But then lead us into this next space where you yourself dealt with a massive blow. It was the death of your husband. Yeah. You were able to, while you were grieving and healthily, you know, grieving. You were able to push it through and let it flow out. That is,
1: that is extraordinary. Well, thank you. It was, it was the most devastating. But let me just let your listeners know: I lost my husband very suddenly. Yes. So there was no time. It was too much, too soon, too fast. It was, it was, and which is what trauma will, you know, we don't have time to defend ourselves. We don't have time to prepare, and so what happened for me and I'll never forget the first 24 hours. I, I, I have snapshots of it today, but it was, it was pretty, it's still pretty fragmented. Wow. But once I got over the shock and I was in the pain of it, I didn't, I, I leaned into it. I didn't move away from it. I, I, but remember I had done so much somatic work as a, as a student of the work, I became a patient of the work. So I had a lot more capacity than the average person. And, okay. I, and I had journeyed quite extensively even prior to that. Okay. And so really what I was able to do was every time that intense emotional pain came up is I really just sat with it. I didn't try I didn't I didn't get into maladaptive behaviors and I you know I have a history of of eating disorders so there there was no eating disorder behavior I was able to stay connected I didn't isolate and I really attribute it to the fact that I built so much capacity to be able to that my body was the safe container no matter what was going to happen next wow I was safe and so that's what we're teaching I'm teaching patients to do is I'm helping them gain more capacity to move through intense and difficult and challenging emotions without having to go and self-soothe or become totally emotionally dysregulated or isolate or numb out. Because those are all the things that we do when we can't tolerate our our sensory experiences of emotions.
0: So when you are blindsided, by something that comes on so quickly, so fast, like a sudden death or like a sudden, um, any kind of trauma that happens really quickly. There is a, would you say that that first response that you, you lock in. So in your situation, you locked in tight because your body was in shock from um, the knowledge of the, someone that you love dearly is now gone but then you were able to allow that through a process out of your body by leaning in accepting and not resisting
1: very much so very much so but you can you can't lean in until you start feeling until you, you have that sense of safety within yourself
0: and where does that begin because you know I I was just saying to someone this morning look you know there When people say there are five ways to uh, process something, I'm not in agreement with that because everyone and everyone's context is so different that there isn't really a linear way to deal. But if you were to lead someone into the path or onto the path of safety or learning how to feel or be safe, where do you
1: start someone? It's a really, really good question. So the first thing that I can spend, I can spend a very long time with this one piece with a client. We have to learn how to become our own observers because the the first thing that needs, that needs to come online is some capacity and understanding and experience of what presence feels like. So Think about, think about having a difficult situation. Again, we go into the why. Always. Always. I'll say,
0: why am I this way? Mm-hmm. Get to the why. Get right. to the why and you will understand. And you, you're saying you, do you
1: disagree with that or do you take issue with it? I say, get to the what, what is it that you're experiencing at this mo- in this moment? So if it might look something like this, for example, right? If I, would, if I have a client who is really good at ruminating or future tripping, <laughs> and, <laughs> right? It's, so it might look like something like, okay, client, how about just noticing what you're doing? So, I notice that I continue to ruminate about what happened yesterday. I notice that I keep obsessing about what it's going to be like tomorrow. I notice that I continue to move, keep, continue to go over the story over and over and over. And so that's the observer. And one, because observation breeds presence. And, you know, remember, remember this trauma has no sense of space or time. So, we often yeah, you're 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 just okay chew on, hold that. On. <laughs> chew on, chew on that for a little <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Yeah, chew on that but for yeah, a little Okay, while. okay, but it feels like it does. Of course, because we actually believe that when we're in the present experience, we believe we actually sense danger a lot of times. When danger is not present, because we think we because we think we're back where the trauma happened. For example, easy one, a war vet. Yes. Okay. So the war vet, you know, has what had some bad experiences at war. Comes home. The guy, a guy at a bar, asks him to move a chair, and he thinks the guys the guys ready to get is is you know a fight a fight breaks out because the war vet believes that he, he's sensing danger when danger is not present, right? Easy one to remember. But we do this all the time. Think about how many times in your own life you've over-underreacted to something and you don't even know why you've behaved that way.
0: Absolutely. Today, I was thinking, I was having a conversation with somebody and I immediately went to, they must want to talk about something um, like that they're concerned about. I, I couldn't even get to the place where they just want to connect. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well when when you're in when you're in the healing when you're in healing and your, your 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 brain and your body come online, you get the idea that connectivity is really our lifeline.
0: But the trauma still is the trigger. So for you in your book you say um in the introduction you say um you were talking about um When you walk into an empty house, you don't go into the kitchen first because it. You understand that it acts as a trigger. So briefly, offer us that as a connection piece because I think that's a. You've got like the big traumas, and then you've got these other traumas that are not so huge, but they are where they're cumulative. They're They're like cumulative. Yeah, it's the genesis of the trauma that begins to create this big piece.
1: Yeah. So, all right. So for myself, yeah. uh, let's just say as a kid, you know, I was, I never felt safe as a kid. My mom was never home. There was never any groceries in the house and what, you know, you'd have to always be scrounging for something, but I would come home as a kid after school, nobody would be there. Right. And what I would do is I'd go in the kitchen and eat because that was the, that was the way for me to self-soothe. Yeah. So, so, and that, you know, that, so, so again, right. I was never safe and that was my coping mechanism as a child. So for a long time, when I'd come into an empty, an empty house, I would, um, I, you know, I I may not even be hungry, but my body was like, okay, go self-soothe because you're in the empty house. The empty house represented, I'm not safe.
0: Interesting that you say that. I wrote wow at the top of the page because for me, and maybe for other people that are listening, it wasn't that um, my house was empty. It was that my life was so crazy. My childhood was so unsafe yeah. that me um, calling my mom when she was working and saying, Mom, I have a stomachache. I can't go to school. That time between her and my dad being at work and me being alone was the only way I could find safety within myself. It, I, it just released me from the chaos. And then I never knew what was coming through the door yep. and it was mm-hmm. so, and, but I never thought of it, Eileen, until you said this, yeah. because I've yeah. always feel like there's this way you have to have the bigger trauma in that is the genesis. But really, it was just you simply saying, I didn't have safety as a kid. And I was talking to my mom about this is today. I never was safe. And she said, no, none of us were. Yeah. We didn't know.
1: And yet our bodies knew. Yeah. Well, it's- the body the body always knows. And so that that piece is, you know, I want to circle back to something. People think, you're right. People think there's like this, an event, but trauma can be a series of small accumulations, especially throughout childhood. So maybe, maybe nobody beat you. Maybe nobody was like, you know, totally abusive to you, but you know, abandonment or chaos is dysregulating to a child's nervous system when all they need, I mean, as you know, parents are supposed to make their children feel safe. That's, that's your job. So as a child, if you're left feeling unsafe, several things are going to happen. You're either going to go into fight or flight or you're going to go into a total disconnect and a freeze to be able to survive where you are. Or you also give yourself up in order to keep the peace in the house and the family. You don't get to actually be fully connected to yourself because you're not supposed to feel emotions. If you feel emotions, that's going to be disruptive to everyone else. I mean, we get messages as kids, be a good girl, don't cry, why you cry. I mean, all of those things impact our nervous system. So you can call them chronic stress You don't have to call them trauma, but that chronic stress will impact, impact how your nervous system functions. Um, I felt safe at times.
0: Like my parents, my mom, my dad, they were loving and nurturing to me, Mm. but there was also aspects of my father that was not nurturing to me. And there was my mom, you know, obviously she was, she was doing her best, but there wasn't always chaos, but it was a nonverbal chaos. Like my body just never was never aware of what was not going to, what was going to happen. So it was just this push and pull, never having a break. So that is a chaotic environment. And would you say that, because in the book, you say that, you know, you were loved too. It wasn't that it was like, right. So it's not about not being loved equals chaos. It's just about
1: that underlying tone. You mentioned that your parents were fighting. Yeah. So how can you feel safe as a child when your parents are fighting? And it's just, I mean, it can show up in a variety of different ways. Yeah. 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 But like, I think the saving grace for myself was that, yeah, I, I, I knew that I, I was loved, but it didn't mean that I ever felt safe because they were, they didn't, you know, my, like for my parents, they were, they were two children trying to raise children and they didn't know how to communicate and they didn't know what making, they didn't even have any idea about how to raise kids and, and how to make children feel safe because they weren't safe themselves.
0: So you just said something that I think is so key. I felt love, but that didn't mean that I felt safe. Yeah. I like, how do we unpack this interview strategically here? <laughs> <laughs> where, do we, where do we go from here? Yeah, where yeah. do we go? There but we go. but I, I, I know where we should go. And so this is a beautiful introduction to lead us to our part two that we will be doing soon um, so that we can really just offer people a little piece of what this is all about. And then we will move to part two um, on unpacking that we all have trauma and then how to begin with, um, connection to your body, how to begin. And I really am excited about this next piece because I know you'll offer some tools to those people who are who are saying, I'm not going to anybody, but I want to do this on my own. So I know you have a lot of things for us. Um, and I'm excited to dive into that. So for those of you who are watching and listening, we will do part two, um, and we will we will do that very soon. Um, but Eileen, thank you for sharing this piece that gets us kind of jump started. And what you've offered is like my brain is already spinning. So well,
1: thank you. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited that this information is being shared. I think it's I know. really important. I know. I know. So, you know, we'll just continue
0: on. Um, and make sure that we take the time to do that. So I'll see you in part two.
1: Perfect, thank you.